0: It's December 20th, 2023, so nearing the winter solstice. And we had a nice Dhamma discussion at tea time about some of uh, Longpa Buddha Dasa's teachings and dependent origination. And I uh, find even now just talking about such things, recollecting such things, it's very, very helpful very beneficial and so we've been talking about uh, the upcoming winter retreat how there's going to be noble silence but certainly Dhamma discussion is allowed falls within that can be very very useful to uh, discuss Dhamma reflect upon Dhamma think about Dhamma consider Dhamma it's very useful also been thinking that a lot of the buddha's teachings it's all about just our ordinary daily life our ordinary daily experience so sometimes we we want to know about all these different stages of samadhi we want to be able to talk with a krubha ajana or a meditation master and get all the details about the jhanas, and the immaterial jhanas, and nirodha samapatti, cessation of perception and feeling, the Four Noble Paths, stream entry, once returning, non-returner, arhant, and the true nature of those, or should I be an arhant or a bodhisattva? What are arhants? What are bodhisattvas? What are Buddhas? So we want to know these extremely exalted things and what is nibbana? And then the Buddha's teachings are saying, four postures, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Be mindful of those postures. And the Buddha's saying, the body, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, contemplate those things. Or the Buddha's saying, have good will. So these very basic things that we're coming back to. So it's always good to try to extract the mind from that intellectual fascination with these supreme states that yes it's good to know about these yes it's good to be inspired by these things and yes uh, there are kruba Ajans and meditation masters who've given testament to that the fact that these things do exist through and they're they are knowable and attainable realizable through the practice and yet The practice to know and attain and realize all these exalted things is hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, sitting, walking, standing, and lying down, or wisely reflecting, I use alms food, not for fun, not for pleasure, not for fattening, not for beautification, only for the maintenance and nourishment of this body, for keeping it healthy, for helping with the holy life, thinking thus I will allay hunger without overeating. So I may continue to live blamelessly at ease. Or reflecting on the dwelling place, I use this dwelling just to protect myself from the weather, for living in seclusion. I use the robes, the clothes I wear just to cover the body, not out of uh, vanity, but just for uh, protecting the body and for a sense of good conduct and uh, composure Using medicinal requisites, not to be intoxicated with them, but just to allay feelings of discomfort and dis ease. So, four requisites, four requisites, four postures. Uh, the four postures is a part of the mindfulness of the body and our development of sati sampajanya. So, that's mindfulness and clear comprehension. And the four postures actually can be a very good recollection. If we think of each of these postures we engage in, we're either sitting, so we're sitting right now, and sometimes we stand, sometimes we walk, sometimes we lie down. So when we're working and going about our daily tasks, then we're walking much of the time. Sometimes we stop walking and then we're standing. So the body is disposed in these different postures. And uh, Lung Por Cha would talk about how he read teachings about the four postures. And he would be kind of confused by them. When the Buddha said, make the four postures even, he hit first he thought, you're supposed to remain and perhaps developing mindfulness and clear comprehension in each of those four postures equal times of the day, so like, he tried to sit for two hours, stand for two hours, walk for two hours, lie down for two hours, and then repeat that. And he said it was just unsustainable, so he had this insight that making the four postures even, it's more about making the mind even in all all of those four postures. So it's easy to get into a state where we think, okay, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do a meditation retreat or I'm going to go to puja and I'm going to be meditating, morning puja, evening puja, or I'm going to attend some sort of retreat and we're going to be doing such and such amount of meditation. And then there's the part that's apart from meditation, so there's just daily life and then there's meditation and those two things can become quite separate. But if we think about making the four postures even, And then we learn how to make the mind even and develop some equanimity. And then whether we're sitting, standing, walking, we come into the hall to sit, it's just a change of postures. It's not that the mind is going into some other state. So we walk into the hall and sit down even while walking into the hall, even coming through the door into the hall, we can can recollect, okay, I'm walking through a door and then walking to my seat. And when we walk to our meditation seat, we can already be developing a meditative mindset even, even before we sit down, chanting. Uh, Longpa Pasano, I remember him talking one, one time saying that he was chanting at Wat Pa Pong a long time ago when he was a more junior monk and actually realizing that the mind could become very very peaceful while chanting and that the chanting wasn't an obstruction to that so we might think well well, okay why do we have to do all this chanting why do we have to do this bowing why don't we just get straight to the meditation and yet the chanting isn't apart from the meditation so the the purpose of the chanting is to recollect the Buddha's teachings and it may occur that it gives rise to more and more faith and then if we try to do the chanting well it can be very satisfying and energizing and brightening for the mind and and then that really sets the stage or, or creates the conditions for uh, more of a pleasant experience during the sitting meditation so the The walking isn't separate from meditation. Standing isn't separate from meditation. Chanting isn't separate from meditation. Bowing isn't separate from meditation. So when we bow, we can actually be cultivating mindfulness and bowing not too fast and not too slow and coming up all the way upright so the back is upright and straight and then uh, with each bow, uh, bowing down and uh, touching our head to the floor and coming back up fully upright and then bowing again and sometimes the the bows can become automatic or perfunctory and we just do them very very quickly without really coming up to a fully upright position and uh, so it's, it's good to the bowing is part of our cultivation of effort and mindfulness And then just this very basic thing of just having a body composed of elements. Uh, The Buddha talks about the contemplation of the four elements, the earth element, water element, fire element, air or wind element, and that the body is comprised of these things. So this is very, very basic stuff. And that through contemplating these things and noticing where these things are in our bodies for example earth element we can contemplate earth element and we can contemplate it in various ways so one is we can think of whatever in the body is solid that is not to be thought of as my body but just of earth element and then not only is earth element solid it also has weight has mass, and so there's a sense of heaviness. So we can feel the weight of the body, and we can feel the weight of different parts of the body. So, for example, the the head, the head contains the brain. The brain can weigh, I don't know, three pounds or something. So that's weight. So that weighs the head down, and then the skeleton has weight. the the uh, the flesh the skin has weight to it. And then with water elements, that would be the uh, blood flowing through the body, coursing through the body, and different types of juices that are bubbling, gurgling away in the body, that has weight as well. So both, both the earth element and the water element are working together and they both have weight to them. And so this body has mass, it has weight, and it's it's heavy. We're, it's almost like we have to drag it around. It's a burden. And not to think of it that way in order to develop aversion to the body, but just to see it in its true nature, just to see that that is its true nature, that is the way it is. It's not trying to convince ourselves that the body is made of these things. It's just trying to see with insight that, it, that that's what it is made of. The Buddha is just pointing that out helping us to look more closely, helping us to see. And that's all it is. So it's just extraordinarily ordinary. And yet, gaining insight into the body in this way can help the mind to stop suffering can help the mind to let go. So it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's kind of fascinating. So we have a lot of ideals and want to save the world and be kind of superheroes. And and so, you know, while we're thinking about how to save the world from impending crises and global warming and how to stop all war and everything, these are really amazing, great ideals, how to create world peace. We're thinking and proliferating about how to do these things, these impossible tasks, how to stop all war, how to stop global warming, how to stop diseases, how to how to make everything better. And all the while, our digestion continues to gurgle away. Our body continues to get older, and these very ordinary things just keep happening, and this is the direct experience. So it's not to say to not have these high-minded ideals and not try to solve. At least some of the problems in the world, but also to look and see, you know, while I'm thinking about these things, there's earth element, water element, yeah. fire element, air element, four postures. Yeah. While I, if I think oh, I have to check the news, that's walking, I have to walk to the computer, that's the posture of walking. Yeah. So that's, or is that, walking to the computer to check the news is that period while we're walking just in blindness where we're just thinking about what's going on what's going on what's happening what's happening got to check got to check uh, or are we able to be present and think okay I'm I'm walking so that's the establishing of mindfulness now I've had in the past I've had kind of a mental block against the translation of mindfulness as remembering I know this the some of the Krubha Ajans would say that, well, mindfulness just means remembering. I thought, I have kind of a mental block to translating mindfulness in that way, translating the word sati in that way. But actually, uh, more and more I think it is actually remembering, because it's remembering ourselves and just remembering what we're doing, or we could think of it as recollecting. And that's why it goes with sampajanya. So Sati is that remembering, recollecting, very deep remembering, deeply remembering, what am I doing here, deeply remembering what's important right now, deeply remembering, what what can I do right now in order to cultivate the practice? And then the sampajanya is the full rounded awareness So there's that deeply remembering and then that establishing of awareness, those things go together. One thing that's difficult that can come up sometimes also is we remember mistakes that we made. So uh, this comes up for me fairly often. I'll remember, I'll be in the empty space of the meditation, different mistakes I've made will pop into my mind. And I'll feel either embarrassed or like I I wish I could go back and change that somehow. And that's good to remember those things as well, but also to know that what's done is done. And the best we can do is to do better in the future. So it's important that even though we may remember mistakes that we've made, to not dwell on them. And also uh, say we we may have gotten criticized by somebody. Or we may have criticized somebody and then thought that was a mistake, that wasn't quite true, and then feel regret for it. And so this feeling of regret, it's, it's only natural when we have a conscience, when, we, when we're like an ordinary person with a conscience, then when we, say, criticize somebody and it actually wasn't a true criticism or we make some sort of mistake or we slip up we use wrong speech in some way then it's natural to feel embarrassed or to feel a sense of regret but also it's good to say well at least i can see that and at least i feel that and so to be forgiving with ourselves as well and i know for myself uh, some of the most painful moments i've had in the practice are when i recollected that i hurt somebody you know maybe with some sort of wrong speech or where i talked about somebody else and regretted regretted talking negatively about someone to somebody else and then i felt embarrassed i felt ashamed and those are natural things to feel when the heart is striving for goodness striving for purity because we we want we want the higher good so that's where Forgiveness, meta for ourselves, compassion for ourselves comes in. We know we're trying our best and we're going to, we can say to ourselves, I can do better and then we do better. It's important to allow ourselves to begin again and to not be too condemning with ourselves just to say, okay, I didn't keep that aspiration. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again, try again. I'm going to begin again, begin again. That's so important. I think one of the really important factors of the practice is to learn how to fail, not to fail intentionally, but just to know that we're going to fail, and to learn how to fail and then pick ourselves back up again. Yeah. The word for offense in the Vinaya is actually apati, literally means to fall over. And then when we clarify or purify that offense, it uh, the other the word that's used is to be picked back up. So when we confess an offense, then, and we're making an offense or making a transgression known to one of our fellows in the holy life, then literally they're helping to pick us back up. So we've fallen over, and then our friends help us to get back up. And so it's to be expected that as we learn how to walk in the practice and as we learn how to make some forward progress with the peaceful mind and wholesome mind states, then we're going to fall over, and we're going to experience difficulties, we're going to experience obstructions. That's only natural, and nobody has it good all the time. So there's going to be good days and bad days. and It's interesting, it really goes up and down too. Sometimes I'll You know, from getting up in the morning to the end of the day, wow, that was, everything just went really well today. Everything went really good. Everything was just, uh, really fell into place. And then the very next day it'll be, okay, it's going to be one of those days. Where just everything's difficult. Things don't go right. Nothing seems to fall into place. And those those two types of days really have to exist with each other. It's always going to go back and forth like that. And in the practice, as we move forward, it's always going to be peaks and valleys. And we want to get to the next peak. We're going to have to go through the next valley. So, uh, But as we do move forward, it's really just looking at these ordinary things. And uh, it is, it's good and fun to talk about you know, really amazing states of Samadhi and psychic powers and things like this, and that can be interesting. I know when I first came here, I really wanted to develop psychic powers and learn how to, I wanted to be able to fly. I actually had this image in my mind of me flying and then all my friends would have faith in Buddhism if they could see that and how amazing it was. And uh, just it's kind of funny to think back now that this uh, kind of uh, childish dreams, but uh, But yeah, it's more about these basic things, just uh, four postures, just knowing when we're sitting, knowing the weight of the body, four elements, and lying down. We can also be meditating. We don't have to conk out right when we lie down. We can actually be mindful of our breath and then actually fall asleep Um, while we're still putting a little bit of effort into the meditation. We might slacken that effort a bit and just allow the mind to rest and wander a little bit more. It's a way we bring our posture into being even in all, uh, bring our practice into being an even in all four postures. So if we're able to do that and we think about these ordinary things, about the postures and just the the body and the parts that it's comprised of, and also thinking of how when we go about our life, the way we use our body and speech, we might end up making mistakes. And we're just working with these very basic things. And uh, we might be able to get to a point where we can get up from our sitting meditation and the mind doesn't change so much. It isn't really shaken by then having to do some duties or do some cleaning or work in the kitchen or go about some tasks that we're doing in the workshop or fixing a kuti or sweeping or whatever we're doing throughout the day and the mind doesn't really need to change that much because it's developed a sense of ease in the meditation and we get up from the sitting meditation and the mind can still be at ease and we don't really need to worry about protecting it we don't really need to worry about protecting that sense of ease because if we worry about protecting it then we're already not at ease so if we're worried about protecting our sense of ease that we gained in the sitting meditation then we're already not at ease because there's worry there. But if we get to a state where there's no worries in the meditation, and we can actually see there's there's nothing really to worry about anytime. All we need to do is look at these ordinary things, look at these basic things. There's no worries. Another method is we can actually, if the mind is getting a bit agitated or Or feeling like uh, worried, we can actually tell ourselves, you know, don't worry, it's it's okay. So we can use the word okay. And this word okay has different meanings. It seems to have been. It's a word that we have in America. I don't know if it's an English word or not. I don't. I have to look up the origin of the word okay. But the. It's been adopted into many different languages, just this word okay. And in Thailand, uh, they say okay as well. But in Thailand, the meaning is different than in America. So when we say okay in America, like, oh yeah, how are you doing? I'm okay. Oh, what? You're just okay? But in Thailand, okay, at least uh, uh, in the Isan, It means like super great, like okay is like really great, and so uh, um, it was kind of fun using the word okay in Thailand, telling myself it's okay. But then when I tell myself it's okay in Thailand, it's like yeah, it's super great, super great, and um, like uh, they would say like if you know if you do that, oh Ajahn, if you do that, that's gonna be that's gonna be okay. So Gumlangja okay, like like they're like thumbs up, like that's really good. (laughs) Just thought it's uh, kind of kind of interesting how the word okay changed so much and being incorporated into the Thai language. And then there was one time I heard somebody say like, "Uh, "That's going to be okay, mak," like very okay, meaning like even better than great. But we don't really need to tell ourselves that. We can just tell ourselves, you know, at least we can say, you know, it's okay right now. Still breathing. Still have this opportunity to practice and have enough to eat. Everything's okay. Sometimes if the mind is spinning out or getting a bit agitated, like, okay, okay, everything's okay. Just... uh And not, not it's going to be okay, because that's off in the future. But just right now, okay. Breathing deeply. And uh, everything's okay. Still breathing. Still able to contemplate. Still able to think about Dhamma. So we're looking forward to our uh, winter retreat. The crew is starting to come together. It's It's really good to see. We're going to be doing some Trainings with the the crew to help look after the monastery and we're all very grateful for this and as time is moving on long pasano will be back on December 29th from his travels in Thailand and India and uh, Then the new year is upon us and just seems like time is passing quickly so uh, I think that's probably enough for this evening. Enough, uh, enough to think about. Enough, enough to consider. And I'll leave it there.